Good morning, Center Church. My name is uh, John Michael Clark, and John, I understand how awkward that is to be standing here in the, in the transition of that lighting. So, uh, but anyways, I'm really excited to be here today. John, give me another opportunity to speak to you guys. And like I said, my name is John Michael, and I get to serve here as a student director, so I spend time praying and hanging out with your students throughout the week. And uh, we're hoping to begin gathering uh, as a youth group in the new building in April, so that'd be really awesome and uh, really excited for that new building. Um, But with that all being said, uh, John gave me an opportunity to speak today on the last letter in this uh, uh, eight-week series of uh, the seven letters that Jesus wrote to the churches in in Asia. And so I I, want to talk to you guys today about this idea of uh, uh, when you think you got it, but you don't. I know that's kind of a weird saying, but I have a story for you guys. Uh, So I'm in school right now. I go to Grace Christian University, and I'm studying pastoral ministries, and um, and there at school, I, I, used to, I lived on campus my fr- uh, freshman and sophomore year at school. And at school, there's uh, RAs, right? So you get to, their RAs, the residence assistants, they hang out with you, and they teach you how to be a good college student, whatever that is. And uh, they just hang out with you, and they kind of show you the ways. And so as a freshman, I had some good, I had some good RAs that really uh, took me under their wing and taught me some, a few good things. And then also, uh, my sophomore year, I had some good RAs as well, and it, t- it became time to apply to be an RA. I thought, you know, this is my chance that I get to, to do it. I thought that I really enjoy school and I really enjoy uh, being in the community and having the opportunity to be with uh, my friends and cultivating a good community at school. I was like, this is perfect. I got this. Like, I'll go for it. People were encouraging me to go apply. And so I felt, I felt really good about it. And so I go to apply and crush the interview and I go home and a few ga- days go by and I get an email from the dean of students. He says, I re- uh, regret to inform you that uh, we're going to go in a different direction. And uh, in that moment, I did not know how to deal with those emotions. And so I just ran outside. It was raining. And I just sprinted for like, like a mile. Like I just like, had to run away from my feelings. I just wanted to, I didn't want to deal with it. And I just ran. It was like a movie. I dropped to my knees. And I was crying out in the rain. Like, God, why, 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 why me? But no, I'm just, I'm just joking around. But in reality... I thought I, I, I thought I had it. I was really confident that I was going to be able to be an RA. I thought I was feeling really good about it, and I went into it confidently, and I was told no. Uh, and that really sucks. You guys know what I'm talking about? You get that feeling of you think you got it, but you don't. What I'm saying here is, like, have you guys ever applied for a job and you didn't get it, right? There's probably a lot of us here who have felt that disappointment or rejection, or that maybe that one time you stepped out in faith to evangelize, and they rejected you, and it didn't work out very well. Very disappointing. Or it was the time you asked out a girl or asked out that guy and they said no. Like, there's, we all know this feeling of rejection, right? We all know what I'm talking about when I say when we are confident in our, in our abilities, but we actually aren't that good as we think we are. And that's what I'm kind of talking about today is uh, this idea of disappointment. I think a lot of us can relate to that feeling of being disappointed uh, all the time. What if... We are always disappointed because we are depending on our own strength. We're depending on ourselves, right? We, uh, we think we're good enough, but in reality, we're really, we're really not good enough. What if we're supposed to be depending on God instead of being independent from God? You guys kind of understand that concept of being independent from God? And so that's why we get to talk about uh, the this, this seventh letter in Revelation. And I'm gonna, I want to take you to Revelation 3. 14. And Jesus talks exactly about that idea of you think you got it, but you don't. 
This is to the church of uh, Laodicea, and we're in Revelation 3, 14. And so if you guys want to, we'll have it on the screen, but also if you want to turn your Bibles to that, I'll read it with you guys for a minute. And to the church, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, and the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you either be cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, but not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich in white and garments, so that you may be clothed yourself in the, sh- uh, in sh- uh, of the shame of your nakedness, may not be seen, and the salve for your, uh, to anoint your eyes so that you may, be, you may see. For those I love, I reprove and discipline to be zealous and repent. So I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has the ear, let him hear, and he who has the spirit, says to the churches. So there's kind of a lot there. I'm sure a lot of us have heard this, uh, this passage before. It's uh, the classic passage of uh, the lukewarm uh, Christianity. I wish you were neither hot or cold, but you are neither, but instead you are lukewarm. And uh, what Jesus is saying here is he's actually talking about this, uh, this idea that Laodicea was in the southern edge of the Lycus River uh, uh, between the east and west highway between the Syrian Antioch and Ephesus. If we take a look at this map here, we can see that Laodicea is right down here, and Hierapolis is above there, and then Colossae is over there, and the river is above them. Hierapolis has these hot baths, and then Colossae has these, uh, these mountains with uh, snow on top, and, the, and, the, and the, the cold water runs down, and Laodicea didn't have a water source, so they actually pumped the water from either place by these, um, by these uh, aqueducts. And if you look at these aqueducts, if we go to the next picture, they, they, were, they were corroded by uh, calcium carbonate because, of the, because the water was not pure. So when Jesus is talking about, I wish, you were neither, I wish you were either hot or cold, but instead you were lukewarm, he's actually really poking at Laodicea here. He's kind of making fun of them and using uh, what they have against them. So they were known for having terrible water, and they did not have a natural water source. Laodicea was also financially proud and really well off. They were well off because of their medical center, their banking, their wool. And by the time of AD 60, they actually an earthquake tore this place apart, and uh, the Emperor Nero offered um, uh, imperial help and financial help to restore the city. And the city was like, nah, we got it. We're good. We, we have enough money. They literally rejected help from the empire and because they, were, they got it. They were rich. They were well off. They could do it themselves. And that's the very thing that Jesus is calling them out for was their independence. They were very self-sufficient. If you look in the scripture, it says, Jesus says, but not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. He's saying you're, you missed something. You missed something here. He says to, to buy from me refined gold refined by fire, white clothes to wear, ointment to put on your eyes so you can see. He is telling them to come to him for what they need because what you have is never going to be good enough. You think you got it, but you don't. This, the city here 
doesn't need God, right? But they're a church, and we can't forget that these people believe in Jesus, and they believe in God, but they're so self-sufficient, they're so relying on themselves that they, they think they have everything they need, but Jesus is saying, no, like, I'm telling you, you, you think you, you have it, but I'm telling you there's more to this life than that. If you look deeper in this letter, you can see that Jesus is offering what the Laodiceans were sufficient for, right? So if you look, it says, buy from me gold refined by fire. That, they're known for their wealth. So he's saying, I know you're wealthy, but buy from me gold. You can get that from me. He's saying, I uh, clothe yourselves in white garment uh, to cover your nakedness. Uh, the Laodiceans were known for having black wool uh, from their lambs to cover their shame because uh, his wealth is shown by what you wear. He also says, uh, I have ointment for your eyes or salve for your eyes because Laodiceans were known for the medical center of having an ointment for their eyes. So Jesus is poking at direct things that Laodiceans are, are, are very wealthy for and known for. Because of these things that Laodicea has, they don't need God. Like I was saying a little bit ago, they, they're very self-sufficient. They don't need anything other than what they have, and they, they can go to whatever they need to, fee, to feel fulfilled. And the reason why we're talking about this letter, and uh, I was looking at how, um, what we can pull out of this sermon or pull out of this passage is, um, is the fact that I couldn't help but see ourselves in, in this letter, right? The church of, of America or the church of, of Byronson or whatever it is, I couldn't help but see ourselves. So I have a few questions for you guys today, just kind of like put this in perspective. How many of us uh, have a home to go to after today, right? We have, we have a roof our, over our head, right? What about how many of us uh, are going to go out to lunch after church? How many of us are going to make a home-cooked meal or go out to eat? You're going to go to Chipotle, John, probably after church today, right? So we have food, Okay. How many of us got here? We, we, tra- we had transportation here, yeah? We have a car. We have an income, right? We're all making money in some, of some way. So what if we kind of go to more intangible things? Like what, if, what about things like we have a, a friends that we can go to for anything we need? We can talk to them about anything that's going on. Maybe it's your parents you talk to that you need to, to go to. How many of us go to your phone when you're anxious in public and you don't want to talk to anyone so you just start scrolling on your phone because you're afraid to, to talk to people, Right? What about our phones? Those things are like mini computers. We literally have the entire world at the tip of our fingers, but also like the worst things at the tip of our fingers as well. Those things are an access to so much more than we, what we need. I'm also talking about the fact that we have, so we have all that we need, but we still want more. I, I also, I think it's crazy to think about how America, how we're in such a hurry, right? We are always in we're such a fast-paced world to the point where we're making up these things to like save time, right? We have Amazon Prime. You want it, it'll be here the next day, right? You want food? You don't have to go out to get food anymore. You can have DoorDash bring it to you, right? Or you want, uh, you want to watch something? You can just stream it. You don't have to go buy the, the movie or, you know, Netflix is at the tip of your fingers. But what I'm, point, what I'm, what I'm getting at is we have everything we need we don't need anything else, but we still want more. Do you guys know that feeling I'm talking about of you need it, you get it, but you still want more? Like whatever it is, like you wanted that new phone and, and you got it, you wanted that new car, you got it, but it's just going to keep getting older. And as time goes on, you still feel that emptiness, the desire for more. You want more. What I'm saying here is we are self-sufficient, right? We're just like Laodicea. We have everything we need. We are very well off. We have everything we need. 
And so for me, I felt, I felt very convicted by this passage because I saw myself in this. I saw myself being self-sufficient and independent from God. I've shared a lot um, on stage from here before about how I grew up in a pretty, uh, in a well, in a nice home. I, was, uh, I had everything I needed. My parents uh, loved and take, took care of me because they didn't have a lot growing up. So they uh, wanted to take care of their kids. And so, so for that, I had everything I needed. I needed, you know, I had a car. I, had, I, I was able to go to college, and, um, and my parents were, uh, wanted to support me. I'm very thankful for that. But because I had everything I needed growing up, it, it really... It, uh, I lacked the opportunity to, to work hard. I lacked that chance to get the opportunity to work hard for what I need, right? I was almost given everything I ever needed. And uh, when you go to school and you finally get on your own and you start being on your own, you, you start to realize, man, I, start to, like, I have to work at school. I have to like, try to get good grades. Like, I have to like, work a job to earn money. Like, these are new things to me which is sad because at 18, 19-year-old, you know, those are things that you guys all probably knew at that age, or maybe not. Maybe you relate to me. Maybe you relate to the fact that you were given a lot and you were privileged. But now that I got, got to this point in school where I had to work for it, and not only was I on my own, but my faith, I was on my own on my faith now. I wasn't going to church every Sunday with my parents. I had to go find a church myself, and I had to start feeding myself uh, a relationship with Jesus to keep growing. So because of this idea that I had everything I needed, there was really no need for a God, right? I, I didn't need God. I didn't need to be saved from anything. I, I was able to, to hide my shame. I was able to hide my sin and almost kind of justify the sin I was dealing with. And I was able to just kind of live my life, and I was living a lukewarm faith. You kind of see what I'm talking about here? This idea that I didn't need to try for anything. I was close to Jesus, but I wasn't close enough to Jesus for him to change, for me to change anything. I wasn't convicted by the things that I was doing. And so through time, I realized I needed to start making my faith my own. I needed to start getting out of this lukewarm rut. Because when you're lukewarm, it's a numb feeling, right? It's numb. Like I just said, how many of us can relate to the idea that we're close to Jesus? We know who he is, but we're not close enough to him to feel convicted by the things that we're doing. We're not convicted by the fact that we are independent from God. That's exactly what the church at Laodicea is dealing with, is their self-sufficiency. And like I said, I can't help but see ourselves in this passage here. I wonder, when I read this passage, that Jesus wrote, he inspired John to write these seven letters to these seven churches. And I thought to myself, what would Jesus say to our church today? Maybe the Church of Byron Center, the Church of America, Church of Michigan, whatever it is, if Jesus were to write a letter to us today, I, I always like, what would he say? Now, I understand that it is not, it's not good to take Scripture out of context or to like, place ourselves in this because we are, we are reading a letter from, from Jesus to the Church of Laodicea, but the applications here are, are things that we can, we can see and we can use. And I wonder if Jesus would say something like, slow down, Right? Look up from your phone and look at me. I love you and I miss you. And I want you to know that I'm standing at the door knocking and whoever hears my voice will come in and I'll have a meal with him and he with me. Just like he says here. Let me read this passage one more time and see if we can see ourselves in this. For you say I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wicked, Pitiable, poor, 
and blind. I counsel you to buy gold from me, refined by fire, so you may be rich and white in garments so that you may clothe yourselves in your shame of your nakedness. May not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. But those whom I love, I, re- I reprove and I discipline to be zealous and repent. This is the good part right here. This is what Jesus says. This is what he offers to us. Behold, I stand at the door knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and he will eat with me and he with me. That's the, that's the invitation there that Jesus is offering to Laodicea. He says, you, not, you do not realize that you are self-sufficient and you're, you're doing this on your own. What I'm saying to you is that I have what you need. You think you have it, but you really don't. Jesus is offering them this relationship. When he talks about having a meal with him and eating with him, he's talking about this idea of a, of a fellowship and a relationship. When he says, I, when I knock at the door, he's standing there, and you have to listen to his voice. And when you listen to his voice, you, there's an invitation there to come in and have a relationship with Jesus. So I just have a few questions for you guys that I want you to, to ponder when it comes to this idea of our independence from God. The first question is, where in your life are you independent from God? I want you to take a few moments to think about this idea of our independency from God. Where are we, where are we lukewarm in our relationship with Jesus? Just take a moment, either bow your heads or close your eyes, whatever it is. Just really take this opportunity right now to think about where am I independent from God? For me, a lot of my life, I had to um, think about this question of where am I independent from God? And so I, I took some time this week to really sit down and ponder, like, man, where am I not letting God into my life? Where am I not letting God um, be the person I get my source from, the, the, the dependency I have on him? And I realized I was convicted by the idea that I don't let God use me to evangelize. I don't let God use me to seek out lost people. I, I lack that burning passion to save lost people. And that's something that I was convicted by. And I realized people are, are lost and they need, they need Jesus. And so I had to realize, God, I need to depend on you for that strength. Because I, I don't have the ability to do it. I need to depend on God, right? Our, our weakness is made strong in him, right? We need him to make it through. We are not meant to be independent. We were made to be dependent on God. I'll say that one more time. We are not made to be independent, but we are made to be independent on God. Maybe you've never depended on anything but yourself, right? You guys know what I'm talking about when I say you're trying so hard you think you got it all, but you, you really don't, right? You're, you're left really unsatisfied a lot of that time. Remember earlier I was talking about all those needs we have. We have everything we've ever needed, but we still feel empty. We still think there's something more out there. That's what I'm talking about here is we, we think we have it, but we really don't. And maybe you've never depended on anything else but yourself. And what I'm saying, and what this passage is saying is that Jesus 
has an invitation for you, right? He's offering you guys this opportunity to really step into a real, genuine relationship with him. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He'd rather spit you out of his mouth, which seems really dramatic, if I'm being honest, but that's what the passage says. That's what Jesus says. He says, you, I know your works. He knows what we do. He knows, he knows our faith. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we do. I know your works, and you are neither cold nor hot. Cold in the idea of like you're useful, like for whether it's drinking water or for an ice bath or whatever it is, or then also in the, in the idea of you're neither hot, you know, for a, for a bath or, or whatever it is. You're neither hot nor cold. So because you are neither, you are lukewarm, useless. Makes me think of uh, we either drink coffee in the morning, right, which is nice, hot, or we drink iced coffee. But who likes lukewarm coffee here? Anyone like drinking just lukewarm coffee? Yeah, no one does. I, I don't think Jesus had coffee in mind. Well, maybe he did. He's Jesus. But I don't think he had that in mind here. What I'm saying is, is lukewarm is, is pointless. It's useless. You're, do, you're doing nothing but just being. And Jesus calls us to be in a relationship with him, to be on fire for him, right? We're called to be lukewarm. Or we're called to be on fire for him. We're not called to be lukewarm. And so if you've never depended on Jesus, if you've never actually surrendered your life to him, there's an, there's an invitation, like I've been saying, that Jesus says, I stand at the door knocking. And it really is on us to say, Jesus, I, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm done with, with trying so hard. I, I try so hard, I, I don't succeed. And, and there's, there's an opportunity here to really to step it up, right? We, whether you've been a Christian and you've slipped into this numb relationship, right, where we don't feel convicted by the things we do anymore. Like, a lot, like for me, like I said, I was lukewarm for a long time and I, there's still aspects of my life that are, that are lukewarm and that are, I'm, I'm independent. There's still aspects of my life and I have to continually be searching, like, God, where am I independent from you? So there's the offer. Jesus is standing at the door waiting and he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be on fire with you. He doesn't, he doesn't want to settle for a lukewarm faith. And today, if you want to have the opportunity, it just takes a simple prayer. It really takes a really simple prayer to say, Jesus, like, I surrender all my efforts to you. Because the, the, they'll always fall short, but you'll never fail. Jesus can do anything. And he loves you and he died for you on the cross for all of your sins, every mistake you've ever made, everything you've ever regretted, all your shame. He died for you, and he forgave you a long time ago because Jesus loves you. And he doesn't want you to settle for a lukewarm faith. He wants you to be on fire for him and to, to seek lost people. He doesn't want me to settle for being lukewarm. He wants me to go out and reach lost people because there's their eternities on the line, and so is ours. And so if you want to pray that today, I, I invite you to bow our heads, and I'm going to pray. And if you, if you really want to stop living a life of, of lukewarm, or if you really want to start living a life on fire for Jesus, because our, our eternity is at stake, pray this with me. Jesus, I, I surrender my life to you. I am sorry for all of my mistakes and all of my sin and for every time that I fell short from the person you made me to be. 
I am sorry, God. And I want to turn away from all my sin. And I want to glorify you with all my actions. I confess that you are Lord and that you died on the cross to save me from my sins and that you are God. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for your son. Thank you for who you are, God. Amen.